All right, welcome into another edition of Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast. Rob Parker here, Martin Weiss there. It is our NBA playoff edition, and man, so much crazy stuff going on. Martin can't be that happy. He's been all over the place. I'm here to rip you, Martin. I'm here to make you pay for your terrible picks. But we'll talk about that and much more. How you doing? What's up? Do you hear that? Uh, That's the ambulance coming to pick up your Eastern and Western Conference Finals winners. That's what the ambulance coming to pick up the stars who are now out in injury. I told you, Rob Parker, dance last Wednesday because today on June 17th, Right now, you're in a bad. You're in. You're in a world of hurt, pal. I'll have you. I'll have you know. Is that right? So the Nets can't win in Milwaukee tonight. I didn't. No, I didn't say the Nets can't win in Milwaukee tonight. I'm just saying, literally, you're in a oh. world of hurt. Okay, and the Clippers, Clippers can't win at, at home in Game Six against Utah. They can. However, oh, okay. All right. okay, we're good. That's all you need to say. I'm just asking. That's all I want to say is because you had your chest stuck out. You were talking pretty big before the playoffs started, and you've been wrong a lot. But let's start here, Mr. Martin Weiss. And Philadelphia, probably one of the biggest – I thought game three was uh, uh, the biggest choke I'd seen in a long time in the playoffs. But no – I mean game four, but no, it actually was game five, up by 26. They allow Atlanta to score 40 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, Embiid had made 20 straight free throws. He missed two big ones at the end of the game. You have Ben Simmons who refuses to shoot in the fourth quarter and, and made four out of 14 free throws in the game. And I, I just cannot get over where where the Sixers are and I just what I don't have any belief that they can win one of the last two. I mean, both of the last two games in this series. What did you see yesterday? What I saw yesterday was a continuation of what I saw in Game Three. Like, not just be like Joel Embiid needs some help, right? I'm not trying to make it all about like give Embiid a pass or anything of that nature. However, when you have a guy out there like Ben Simmons, who is commanding so much of the ball. It would be like if Chris Paul was 6'9 and didn't shoot. Like, he has the ball all the time. Ben Simmons always has the ball. And his refusal to be an offensive weapon is something that is, to me, it's the, it's. I mean, it's been Philly's problem literally since he got there. And it's the reason why they're not going to win this series because Doc Rivers is not going to adjust. He finally pulled Ben Simmons at the end of the game. It was too late. But it was too late by that point. Exactly. And I get that Ben Simmons is supposed to be this remarkable defender and this, this, you know, this incredible all defense and this and that and the third. Well, Trey Young was going off, what, 39 last night? You can't – those two things can't jive. You can't have a guy taking four shots in a game. Like like Royce O'Neal for Utah is the primary defender for Paul George, right? He played pretty well in the second half. You know what I'm saying? Paul George had I'm not, I'm not we'll go get into that game in a second, but he's out there shooting threes down the stretch because he's wide open. Ben Simmons, the entire game is wide open and is allowing teams to just not guard him. And I 
I mean, I'm not trying to, again, I don't want to give Embiid a pass because he was bad in both fourth quarters. And the fact that he just was camping out of the three-point line, he needed to go take, like, but I, I, there has to be some level of diminishing returns where it's like, dude, I'm sacrificing my body. I'm playing, I'm playing on a torn meniscus going down here, banging in the post every single day. And the other superstar of this team is shooting four shots. I mean, not even getting like a, a, a Draymond triple double, right? He's playing like uh, where he's getting points, assists and rebounds. He's he's just not an offensive option. And like if he's supposed to be, that's what the problem is. The hierarchy of this team is he's supposed to be the second option. That's what it's supposed to be. You can have the guy handling the basketball in the game who can't make free throws like 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 it, it, it doesn't go together because that's the guy you're going to foul. You know what, Rob, 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 Rob. It, it's different than can't make free throws because when we normally say can't make free throws, we're thinking of a guy who's shooting like 60-something percent. That's shoot- two for 10, four no. for 14. But he shot 60% during the regular season, and now his I, – I, I got a stat where as bad as Shaquille O'Neal was as a free throw shooter, in the postseason, he never shot this poorly as Ben Simmons, who shoot like 32.5% from the free throw line. You cannot have that. I mean, it's just not doable, or you can't be out there. There used to be a time when they used to take Shaq out of game because you, you can't play that way. If, if every trip down they're going to foul you and you get none or one point and they're getting two and three points, you know what I mean? It doesn't add up. So I, I just the I think the really, thing for me that's the most egregious about Ben Simmons before you get into the overarching thing. OK, don't shoot. That's fine. Be terrible at free throws. That's fine. Be productive elsewhere. Lock Trey Young down. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like, you know, get 15 assists, be a productive, get 15 rebounds, do something out there besides be 610. Anyway, to your point about the 76ers. Yeah, I, I just – there's something there. I mean, I know they were the number one seed in the East. Just doesn't have – it does, doesn't seem to work come playoff time because it's different. And their intensity. They don't know how to close games out. Uh, I mean, the comeback that Atlanta had to make, all you had to make, Martin, was two or three baskets at some point to derail that comeback. You know what I mean? Like, really, that that two or three baskets at the right time derail that. It's hard to come back from such a, a deficit. But you give up 40 points in the fourth quarter. You can't have your one of your stars miss both free throws in the most opportune time when you've made 20 in a row. And then you can't have uh, Simmons who's handling the ball and not take any shots in the fourth quarter. Zero shots is not acceptable. It just it doesn't even what are you doing out there? Because you just said it. They weren't stopping anybody. You weren't clamping down on anybody, right? So so you're not stopping anybody defensively, and then you're giving us a zero on the offensive end. You don't even need to be out there. Anybody can stand there and allow the the, the Hawks to score at will, which is what they did. And here's the other, let's let's switch over here. This is why I thought it was a, a, a ridiculous hire, and I'm going to use the word ridiculous. After what happened last year with the Clippers and Doc Rivers, I'm not saying Doc could never coach again 
and couldn't get another opportunity. Okay, this guy won a championship in Boston in 2010. That was more than a decade ago, but he did win a championship. And he has coached some pretty good teams, but of late, his playoff success has not been good. And if this happened, I'm telling you, if I'm Philly, I got to take a look at it because I thought it was a questionable hire to bring a guy in who just his team was supposed to win, right? The Clippers last year, choke in the second round, give up a 3-1 lead. Now you bring him in. He's up 2-0 in this series, right? And what happens? Now they're about to choke down another one. I, I, if I'm Philly, I have to look at it and really consider if I'm going to um, let go of Doc Rivers after just one year. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. I don't think they will let go of Doc Rivers, seeing as they ran the Brett Brown experiment back to back to back to back for like seemingly forever after. I mean, but I think that your point is well taken in that. I mean, we made jokes about it all last year when the Clippers, you know, collapsed in the bubble and then Doc Rivers got fired as the Clippers would, you know, have their moments where they would dip. Everybody would be like, oh, I thought it was Doc's fault. I thought it was Doc's fault. Well, you sit back and you look at the two at the two different teams now in the playoffs. The Clippers have gone down 0-2 in both of their series, and it's seemingly coaching adjustments that's made. And when you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, they look at like they've made literally the only adjustment that the Sixers have made is sitting Danny Green because he's been hurt. <laughs> that's it. And and you gotta admit. That Ty Lu has made unbelievable. Am I? Is he not coaching his ass off in the in the playoffs? He and to me, because I always, always, I don't want to say always, but I, I oftentimes I think people get like a little overrated for their coaching jobs and so on. But but the way that and you see the difference, the Clippers role players, some of those guys, like like a guy like Reggie Jackson, a guy like Luke Kennard, he he. They're being put in positions to be successful, right? Whereas in the like Ben Simmons, how about dribbling this? the ball up the court is not a position for him to be successful because he can't shoot. Like why? Like Seth Curry is more like like Ben Simmons should be like Giannis should be the best screen guy in the league, right? And then you saw that terrible miss by Seth Curry at the end, right? Like. Like he was making shots all night, and then the fourth quarter comes around. It's amazing, man. I'm telling you. And you were just talking about it, too, about the moves. I want to say this real quick before I forget. But but Ty Lu was big enough to say to Patrick Beverly, you need to sit down. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of coaches won't do that because that's been the guy you, they've been riding with for years, right? And, and sometimes right. you have to make that move. So uh, – I'm with you. Sometimes it's the players and coaches get too much credit, but I think Ty Lue has shown the difference with moves that he's made this year with, with the Clippers compared to what Doc did. I'm just saying, I'm not saying Doc can't coach in the NBA, but that was a curious hire, and if this thing flames out, it will look horrible for him back-to-back years. Look, I mean, I'll tell you, I picked the Sixers to come out of the East. I obviously picked them to win this series if I picked them to come out of the East. But, like, right now, I, and I bet on them the last two games out. And at, at game three, I thought I had a, a money in the bank, right? Game four, I'm spending my winnings already. And both of them, I see no, no, there, I've seen no evidence that if, don't get me wrong, I think Philly might even jump out to big leads in this thing. But Trey Young hits a logo three. Bogdanovich goes, gets an and one. All of a sudden, 
the house of cards fumble. This is a house of cards. It'll stand as long as that wind doesn't blow. Yeah, I, I have zero confidence. I don't believe they're going to. I believe the Hawks are going to win this series. And I know, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick the Hawks going in. But I'm looking at just the way the, the two comebacks the last two, two games, and all they got to do out for the Hawks is to have one good game, you know, not fall behind Martin by 20. You know, like, like there's going to be one of those games where they're not coming back from 20 to try to win a game. And if that happens, I want to see how Philly reacts. You know what I mean? Like when they get down and they have to come back and, and, and the fourth quarter. So, and I think that the Hawks could close this thing out uh, game six in Atlanta. I think for them, I think they understand that they don't want to go back to Philly. They've, uh, they've lived a charmed life, two unbelievable playoff comebacks, and I think they need to seal the deal right here, right now. So that's something. Uh, the Hawks and Nate McMillan, give him credit, man. His team doesn't quit. They don't quit. A lot of teams would have. You're down 26 on, you know, on the road, right? It, it's, e uh, I mean, you're down 26. It's easy to just be like, we can't do this, and and you know, and 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 fold the tent, but they haven't done that. And not only that, but the last three playoff games we've seen have been epic collapses. Uh, like, but like when we we kind of paint them in the epic collapse way except for obviously watching Kevin Durant do what he did was miraculous. But we paint them as these epic collapses, but it takes a team to be down 20, to keep their head about them and to, and to not lose their composure and to not try to get it all back in one shot. And especially a team like the Atlanta Hawks that shoot so many threes, you would think it would be harder for them to come back in games when they're not hitting outside shots early on. And it's a testament to the coaching staff because you see what happened as soon as, as, soon as uh, Lloyd Pierce was fired. No doubt. The NBA playoffs are here, and you'll be in hoops heaven, betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook. There are so many exciting matchups, and FanDuel is taking that excitement to another level because new and existing users, that's right, all customers can best risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet one same-game parlay risk-free every week. That means you can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win. And if you don't win, you get up to $10 back. So tonight, if you want to play the Lemon Pepper Parlay, same game parlay, go ahead and throw this bad boy together. Nets plus six. Kevin Durant over three and a half made threes. James Harden over 16 and a half points. And guess what? If that doesn't hit, you can get your $10 back. Basketball fans, now is the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot. New users can still get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code LP3 to bet the NBA playoffs risk-free. That's code LP3, exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, let's go to another unbelievable game last night. The Clippers and the Utah Jazz. I mean, everybody counted out the Clippers. No Kawhi Leonard. I mean, people were running to throw their money on Utah, figuring that, you know, playoff P, Paul George, can't. Chris Boussard and I argued big time. He said the Clippers had no chance to win without Kawhi Leonard. I disagreed. I picked the Clippers last night. I've seen teams, and I know you hate me telling you that I've been covering the league since 1987, but I've been covering the league since 1987. 
And I've seen teams rally when, when their best player is not there. I've seen this. And this was a stage for Paul George to come out and play. He didn't have to score 90, but he had to play well. And he did. And obviously, there were other players who played well, Reggie Jackson and different guys for that team. But how shocked were you? I mean, I'm sure. Did you bet You bet against the Clippers last night? I don't know. Actually, it's interesting because a lot of people were asking me. I was going to bet against the Clippers, but as soon as I sat in my chair, the notification comes across Kawhi Leonard out game five. So I'm like, you know what? Nah, uh-uh, I ain't messing with that. Why wouldn't you take that? That looks like a layup. Because I like because no, nah, because I liked it at I liked the line at minus three, but I knew that the Kawhi news was gonna swing that line. That minus three was a thing of the past. Like and and again, the line I think was eight, eight and a half by the time the thing ended up tipping off. So I I, I don't like eight, eight and a half. That's an insane number, right? That's that's a crazy number for two of the best teams in the NBA, right? <laughs> so um, what I ended up betting was jazz minus three and a half for the first half. So I won. Okay, what'd you make of just the, the the Clippers? And I mean, you've been down on them all year. You really don't think that they have a shot to come out of the West, but you had to be impressed with that win on the road. They haven't fared that well in Utah. That was a game that that they had to win, and and they won it convincingly. I would say, like, I was impressed with I was impressed with Paul George in the first half, especially being able to to really just come out and establish that, yo, okay, this is the type of game that this is going to be for me, right? Like, that's, that's he came out in the first half, really established that. And the thing that, the, the thing that is both, the thing that made that game last night exciting and also why I would have concern for the Clippers going forward is Reggie Jackson was hitting shots of incredible difficulty. And the thing about Reggie Jackson, and he's been playing I don't want to. I don't want to belittle him, but it's, he's been playing above his head for the last like five, six games, right? He's been playing above his level that we've seen for his career, and this incredible shot making out of Reggie Jackson. While last night it was awesome to watch, hitting some of those tough long twos as the shot clock was winding down. I just wonder how sustainable it's going to be going forward, <laughs> because, I mean. I was we were in Detroit when Reggie Jackson was there. He wasn't hitting these this level of tough shot, especially when he was getting the minutes. He was getting so many minutes when he wasn't like coming off the bench as he has been for the Clippers in that kind of spark plug role. So I'm that would be my concern is because you know a little bit more of Reggie Jackson. I think you're going to end up getting less of his dynamic moments if that makes sense. No, I hear what you're saying, but I think he's playing well, and sometimes guys just. Blossom. You know, we were in Detroit five years ago. Uh, guys blossom from then. You hope that you get better. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a superstar and going to make every shot, but I think the way he's playing, I love the confidence of that team. This is what I said after they fell down 0-2 uh, to Dallas. When you, when you fall down 0-2 more and you lose the first two games at home, it's an uphill battle. And I said and nothing – that they face this year, this playoff, will overtake or put them where they have a belief that they can't come back, right? Because that was the ultimate, like to be down 0-2, losing your first two games at home. So even after they lost the first two games in this series in Utah, and I told people, that's not unexpected. That, that wasn't like something that people should have 
been like, oh my God, I can't believe they lost two. Utah was the number one seed in the West. So losing two games at in their, on their in their building wasn't like ridiculous or oh my God. Had they split in Utah, that would have been big, but not losing two. So I never counted them out. I just think this is a different team that learned from a year ago, that has some players that all contribute. They have a better coaching philosophy in what they're doing. Players are put in better position to, to succeed. And I think that there was a turning point. And I'll go back. Game three against Dallas. Martin, you know they were down 30-11, right? After losing the first two games at home. There was their moment. They could have just rolled over. We're, we're getting buried in Dallas. We can't win this game. They came back, won that game, won game four, lost at home. Here we go again. Oh, my God, they're going to Dallas again, win that game, and then come home and win a game seven. So this team has the utmost confidence in that nothing that happens in front of them, right, is scary or they can't overcome. I think that's what they're playing with. Does that make sense? No, it definitely makes sense. But the thing that the thing about the Clippers that I find the most impressive is, okay, you're going to talk about down 0-2 in Dallas. Why? Because Luka Doncic is going insane, right? And everybody's hitting shots. But and the thing that you've seen with the Clippers, the first two games of these two series, Luka going insane first two games. Donovan Mitchell first two games was putting up literal Michael Jordan numbers, like literally Michael Jordan numbers, right? And so then you see games three and four, and that's why I'm sitting back looking like, these are the same players I'm watching, so it's got to be Ty Lue, right? It's got to be this on this coaching staff. It's got to be this coaching staff because I'm watching these guys who are just dominating the five on the four in game one and two. Not in game three and four, and still getting their numbers. I'm not trying to say that Donovan Mitchell wasn't, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, no, he wasn't great last night. He wasn't good last night. But in game three, he was still, in game three, he was good. Game four, he struggled. But these guys are still getting their touches and getting their shots. It's just the way that they make it so much more difficult. But the thing that gives me concern is obviously you don't have that big, that big old braided stop button that you used to with Kawhi Leonard anymore because it, it doesn't look like he's coming back for the rest of this season. Oh, I don't know about that. No, I don't. They haven't said that yet. I mean, they said it's a strain. I know everybody's saying it's an uh, ACL, but we'll wait and see. I mean, he might be out for this series, but I think we'll wait and see before we just jump on that bandwagon. I mean, I think people thought we might not see uh, – James Harden, but let's let's switch over to the Nets and what they yeah, do. Yeah, we're not seeing James Harden. <laughs> we will we'll, we will see James Harden tonight. I guarantee that James Harden will show up tonight because he needed a game under his under his belt. And now that he he won't shoot one for ten, I guarantee you James Harden will have a triple double. He will have a triple double tonight. That's what I'll predict for James Harden. Well, and, what kind of triple double though? Are we talking about? A Draymond triple-double or, like, an actual triple Like a 10-10-10 or, like, a 20-10 and, like, like a KD triple-double like KD had? I, I give, I'll give them, I'll give them a 20-10 and 10, something like that. He'll have 18-10 and 10, but he'll have an impact. But let's go to KD. Again, 
All the LeBron minions before game five in Brooklyn. Oh, now KD is going to see what LeBron has to go through. Let's see when he, how, how he responds without Steph and Clay, And he don't have a stacked deck. And, and James Harden is hobbled. And no Kyrie. And he turned in, Martin, a performance that was suitable for framing. He couldn't have played any better. Did you see his confidence in the fourth quarter? He wasn't looking to pass the ball to anybody. He wasn't looking for help. He was like, dude, we're not losing this game. It was a performance on a big stage and a big moment that was as good as it gets. I don't know if you still have this feeling, and I hope that I never leave it, never lose it. But watching that Kevin Durant performance was one of those, like, takes me back to when I was a kid watching sports with my dad and it was like these are this this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen in my, like you know what i mean when you're watching these feats of athletic accomplishment and i mean just and the thing about the thing about he the thing about the way he really played that game was like i was sitting there watching it midway through the third quarter it's like man kd is he's cooking but he's it doesn't it's like it's almost you almost want to be like, where is he? And then you look at the stat line, you see he's got 25 points, he's on seven, but he's just the reason why is because he's only taking 11 shots, right? It's like it's like, man, where where it almost feels like he's not there, but he's like, man, KD's got a real quiet 22 and seven and seven. And then he just comes out and just turns the volume up to 10. And you could see it happening as he comes, he came down one possession in particular, he came down, had a cross, he crossed back. Uh, right to left, right to left. Took one dribble on uh, on the big man and had like a, had a, a a little turnaround fadeaway kind of from the elbow. And it was like, oh, once he hit that, you could tell he's like, oh, he he's about to put on a show. He's, it, I mean, I don't know if he can. And I think part of the reason why we look at that and be like, wow, that was miraculous, is because we don't feel like it can be replicated. Right. Like we don't really feel like that is one of those things. It's like, where were you when? Um, and even I mean, it's one of those it was one of those performances that had the timeline going back and looking at other performances that he's at. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if he can. But I also don't know if he'll, if he'll need to do that um, going forward in this series, because I, I think you're right. I think you just hit it he won't <laughs> right. from here on now. He, he won't need that. I agree. Like. Because, I mean, while it was amazing and while it was impressive, I mean, Rob Parker, there's professionals out there paid to stop him. And the defensive player of the year was sitting in the corner guarding, like, Joe Harris, who was one for whoever on threes. And Chris Middleton is sitting out there on, on KD Island just getting annihilated. And Mike Budenholzer is sitting there just like me watching the game. No, I mean, you would have loved for Giannis to say, I got to get on him. And if he gets it, now, he might not have stopped him, okay? KD was that electric, that hot. But I'd rather be the guy, like, he's getting it over me, okay? Like, I'm the best player defensively. So if this guy's having that kind of night, I'm going to have my hand in his face. And if he raises up and lights me up, I'm going to have to live with it. But I can't let Middleton or somebody else be out there getting annihilated, as, the, as you use the word, because that's what happened. And I agree with you that that should have been stopped or changed during the course of that. How could you sit back and watch that when K, KD was in such a zone? That, that, was, 
that was a bad thing. And then, you know, to get up on the podium after the game and then praise him, he's the best player on the planet right now and all that. You know, like, I'm, I don't want to hear all that. I don't, I don't care about the post game. I get it. I get it. But I don't care about the post game. Like, because in the reality of the situation, I really try not to police what athletes say in the post game. I would like it to just be honest. Like, just don't, oh, I, just I don't peel my I, leg and tell me it's raining. You know, I, don't tell me, oh, like, don't tell me it was a bad shot, Paul George. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't tell me. Uh, like, like, just, just, just be honest with me. If you think KD's the best player in the planet right now, then hell, we, we all saw what you just saw. No, I get that, but my point is, if he's defending him and and he's won what two Defensive Players of the Year, uh, it just sounds better. It's like I was on this dude. I did everything I could do, and we couldn't stop him. He's the best player. Do you do you know what I'm saying? But, but no, I get it 100%. Watching as a spectator, and that's why it doesn't mean anything to me. That, that's what I'm saying. No, I get what you're saying, but I also, like, I also have trouble, like, we talk about the new NBA and how guys don't want to listen and how, Stan, like, Stan Van Gundy's out after a year, and if you look, if you watch the Inside the NBA afterwards, the whole conversation wasn't about how that team played no defense and, you know, really wasn't, you know, it was, you know, just a turnstile the entire season, no spacing. and But it was all about how these kids these days, right? So, like, I don't necessarily have a problem with a player not telling his coach, hey, I want that guy, right? Like, I, I, I would like for it to happen, but I don't necessarily require it. But I require it out of the coach <laughs> to put your best defender on the best offensive player. They you know won't, like, this is a different – they won't do it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They, they're waiting for the player to come over to them and say, hey, coach, I'm going to take – that." that's what guys used to do anyway. And they didn't have to wait for when Chuck Daly was coaching the Pistons, Isaiah or Joe D or whatever. They wouldn't have to wait for Chuck to put me in. I'm, we're getting Look. annihilated. We're blowing a big lead. This is a pivotal game five. If we lose this, we're going to be – I'll have our backs against the wall. Like, they don't have Kyrie. James Harden is scoreless in the first half. If we don't win this game, how are we going to win anymore? Do you know what Look, I mean? And I, I, I 100% agree that that's the level of conversation that the player should have towards a coach. If a coach is having that level of conversation towards a player, we're having a major problem, right? But I, don't, I do not have a problem inherently with Giannis not saying anything because I think that it's Bud's job to say, hey, you see, like, he, I don't think he would have had to talk him into it. You know what I'm saying? I think if he just gives him the, the marching orders, he's going to go and do it. But but I think it's emblematic to the bigger problem of with Milwaukee, where just in the last four minutes of games, they don't do anything spectacular. They don't do anything. They don't defend well. They don't run offense well. It's all ISOs for a team that is not built for isolation. And then, and then honestly, like, this is professional sports, and I've never obviously played sports at a high level, but having watched and observed these things for the vast majority of my adult life, if there's a guy out there, you have to treat him like he's a guy out there. James Harden, they did not take advantage of James Harden defensively whatsoever. It was evident from the tip-off that James Harden had no step. Even the one bucket that he did have, 
you look, he got by the guy and couldn't finish the layup. He shot a floater from like some weird, and the only reason he even got fouled is because the guy was like, what are you doing shooting from here? You're supposed to go lay it up. This is a mid-range shot, James. Are you familiar with this area? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just the idea that Drew Holiday, who was brought to that team, supposed to be the guy, supposed to come set things up, break things down, and be like the point guard for that team. The idea that Drew Holiday just didn't eat lunch on james harden down the stretch is i'm at a loss for words there was one play where harden didn't even want help you remember that where he's guarding uh Giannis? it's guarding Giannis. waves off the second guy like don't come over here i I got like really wow i mean i guess harden's like look don't come over here because either he's just gonna shoot it and he's gonna miss or he's gonna drive to the lane and i'll foul him and miss that too right but just, I think that just shows you psychologically, like the the that and it's really it's really the stuff like that. Why I'm like I can't pick the I can't in good conscience. Like on paper, on paper, I, you know, when this thing broke down, I felt like I had good reasons as to why the Nets should have struggled with this team. And, and to say that the Nets have just completely dogged walked them, I don't think is very fair. But the struggles that the Nets have had in this series have been because. The Nets have struggled. It has not been because the Bucs have implemented defensive strategies or offensive strategies that the Nets have not been able to figure out. No, I, I'm with you. And I think uh, I think the Nets have a good chance of wrapping this thing up tonight in Milwaukee. I know a lot of people think Milwaukee will win. I just think I'm expecting James Harden to have a big night. I told you a triple-double. Uh, I, I just think some of their role players who have struggled, like you mentioned, Joe Harris hasn't shot the ball well. Those guys are all due for a, a big game. And I think they understand they would love to get this finished. You know what I mean? And and um, and and they have Milwaukee. Uh, they smell blood. There's an opportunity right here to win and, and wrap this thing up. Uh, so I'm expecting the Nets to wrap it up tonight. I do want to give you a little side note. So on our show, The Odd Couple on Fox Sports Radio, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Monday through Friday, Benito, a guy from Florida, Martin called up and and said to Chris and I that he would bet us a pair of Jordans that the Bucks would win the next four games and win the series. That it would be a four, four games in a row and it would be over. Did you take the bet? We took the bet, and he paid off. Of course, he you took the bet. Of course, we took the bet, and he paid up. Man. Like, ASAP. I mean, I'm just like, really? I, I couldn't help but but take that. Are you kidding? I just don't understand why why people are offering you all these sucker bets. Like, I'm, I feel like I might be the only person in America that's not taking the Rob Parker sucker bet. You know what? In fact, in fact, if you listen to this podcast and you like to place a bet with Rob Parker, contact me. I'll take your action. How about that? All right. So I mean, Lord have mercy. This is ridiculous at this point. So we got, and and then one last thing, and then let's get to our picks for this week. But one last thing. The uh, the, uh, Chris Paul situation with the COVID, uh, obviously he has to uh, be reevaluated more on Saturday after he needs another, he needs a negative uh, test for COVID. And then the earliest he could play would be Sunday if the Clippers end this series in game six, you know, in L.A., Game one would be Sunday. So there's a chance he could miss game one of the East of the Western Conference Finals. Where are you on, on this whole scenario? And 
and how much this would could affect him. Now, if he gets another positive test, he could be out for two weeks. I mean, it, it's that it's that touch and go. It's tough for me. Like I, I don't under. I mean, it's it's incredibly unfortunate. I heard last night on TV that Chris was vaccinated. And to be to contract COVID after being vaccinated, after going through all of the protocols you, for it. Do I buy that Chris is vaccinated and he caught COVID? I've heard stories of that before. A friend of mine caught after that happened, like not not just not, not just anecdotally have I heard stories. It is possible to catch COVID after you get the vaccine. However, I know me personally, I have been living life as if you know, mask to the sky, like a graduation cap after I got my shot. You know, I, I'm not out here. I'm, I'm, I'm doing whatever I want to do. And, uh, and I, you know, it's just a reminder that just cause you're done with the pandemic doesn't mean the pandemic is done with you. I hope that he's able to, I mean, that's, but that's the reason why you get the vaccine, right? You know, I, I'm going to, I heard it on TV. I'm going to assume that he is vaccine, but that's why you get it. So if you catch COVID, it's something that's easy to beat. I'm just curious as to the scenario and, and, you know, who knows who else on that locker room who maybe isn't vaccinated. Do you know what I mean? And maybe there's a chance somebody else might come down with it. It's, it's a, it's a tricky situation, especially in a locker room as close as you are. You know what I mean? The people, most people don't work that closely with each other, but NBA players are different. You're on top of each other. This spit, saliva, whatever it is that can transmit it, you know, and all that. You don't have your mask on all the time. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the Western Conference Finals and whether or not. And who knows, maybe the Clippers don't win and they go to a game seven and then maybe he's cleared by yeah. them. So, the ghost of David Stern is trying to figure out how to make this series go eight. Yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Parker, let's get to the picks. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets, the game of the night. The Milwaukee Bucks are six-point favorites over under 220. Rob, who you got? I'm taking the Nets plus six. Is that what it is, the number, plus six? Yes. Yeah, that's a ridiculous number. Uh, I just – I don't get it. Um, the Bucks just haven't played well enough. Even at home, they won two games up there. Martin, if you remember, the Nets easily could have won game three at the end. Joe Harris missed a wide-open mid-range shot from the elbow. Uh, Brown took a, a bad shot at the end. They could have won game three, and this series would be over. Uh, they, they played well in, in game four. And remember, they, they allowed P.J. Tucker to roughhouse uh, um, Durant that entire game. Of course, we didn't see that kind of defense in Brooklyn, but I, I think this is a I think this is an easy win right here. And I'm what I mean by that is I'm taking the six points. I love the Nets plus six. Yeah, I, I love the Nets plus six as well. I like it a lot. I'm my only thing is that that the thing that's tough about it. Milwaukee, this is this is such a referendum game. This is this is a you know, this is a uh, get the apartment lease out game. Make sure that <laughs> when is our lease up? Like we're moving soon if we don't win this one. But I don't know how much it matters. I don't, you know what I mean? I just, you know, I don't want to ever disparage and just completely throw away a team, but I don't know how much it matters, man. I just, I think if KD can go and give them, you know, a cool 37 and seven, 
Harden can be 15, 7, and 7? No, Harden. You, don't you agree? You might not agree with my triple-double, but Harden's going to be better in this game than he was. He's got some legs. Yeah, I, 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 I have to imagine he's going to be better, right? And then the other thing, like, I just – Joe Harris is not – Joe Harris is ha- having the worst slump of his career. You know, like we're looking at, and I'm sure we can't pencil in Jeff Green for what, uh, you know, six for six from three. But I was thinking about it while I'm watching this game. There's a reason why Uncle Jeff Green is always in the damn playoffs. He's always in the playoffs. Wherever he's at, he's on a playoff team and he's getting minutes. And there's a reason why. And it's because he's a productive player who makes open shots and is the type of guy when somebody else is going for 50, can go for 20 while you're not looking. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think there's a couple guys on the Nets that need to rebound, but I just can't see Harden going one for 10. He's going to knock down. There were a couple spots in that uh, fourth quarter that had he made three, that game would have been put put away way earlier. You know, he had a couple opportunities that he didn't make, and Green didn't play in those first couple games, right? And he didn't play uh, – he didn't in the first three games of this series uh, he didn't play in the playoffs i believe or he i know he missed the back end of the uh of the of the boston series as well he didn't but he didn't play in the first three games of this series and he played game four i think was the first time he played no Kyrie. it's not that i'm not saying they're going to run them out of the gym in milwaukee but i like the nets a lot in this game all right so for my lemon pepper same game parlay i'm going to take the nets plus six and I'm also taking Kevin Durant made threes over three and a half. I like him to make, I mean, he might hit that in the first half. Uh, all I need is four threes out of Kevin Durant. I like that a lot. My lemon pepper parlay for uh, this week. Martin, I'm sorry. I- I'm going to have to bite off on you. I'm sorry. I was going to take James Harden over 16 and a half. I like that number a lot. But really? They think AD won't make three and a half threes? What? Do they really think the NBA, after the performance they had, they're going to let P.J. Tucker strong arm him in Milwaukee and foul him and not call fouls or whatever? It ain't going. P.J. Tucker might have two fouls in the first quarter if, if he ain't smart. You know what I mean? After that performance. So I love the Nets plus six, and I love KD over three and a half threes. KD will hit six, and there'll be plenty of room. Okay. Six. Can you get it? I got all my fingers in there. Six. All right? So I love that. And remember, it's always better with the cheddar. The Nets close out the bucks, and I win some big bucks on this. All right. That's our uh, – that's the uh, – all right, that's the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast for this week. Make sure you like us, subscribe, share with friends, all that. Martin has finally come around after all these L's he's taken during the uh, postseason. It's been a bumpy one for you, my friend. But uh, Just make can't... sure you're paying your uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, health insurance payments for all your uh, injuries, okay? Just, know, just, just, be, just be sure. I'm definitely paying up since I have uh, some extra cabbage to play with. All right, we'll see you next week.